Okay, what's up, Parker? Welcome. I sent you your little co-host invite. Parker, I sent you your a speaker invite. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Sound good. <laughs> Thank you. How's the music? Too loud? Too quiet? <laughs> it's, it's right up there. It feels like a party. What's up, guys? Hello. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. It's I'm excited to talk with you guys. Yeah, um, we're gonna. We decided we we're gonna wait a couple minutes until some people show up, until you have a little audience, and then we can get started. Totally sounds good. In the meantime, what are your guys' names, or do I call you Bokeh and Lunar? Um, I actually love being called Lunar, so <laughs> you could totally nice. call me Lunar. Okay, it's yeah, cute. I like it. Yes, I do. Same with Bokeh, just because I feel like everybody, if you were to call me by a nickname or something that I gave you, that like, who is she talking to? That's true. Yeah. Thankfully, my name fits very neatly in like the number of characters here. So. And and Hey Parker Day is cute. It has a little, you know, a little poetry going on in it. So yes, I'm gonna go and start uh, pinning up some of your work. Okay, awesome. Thanks for doing that because I am like kind of inept with this sort of thing. Um. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna go ahead and get started if that's cool with y'all. Since we have some people. Hello, Jacopeo Pello and Nautica and Dam. Welcome to the show. All right, y'all. So, what's up? I'm Lunar. Uh, my ho- my co-host is Bokeh. Uh, I'm nervous as fuck right now, so just bear with me. I will get calmed down to be my normal self. Um, this is a brand new bi-weekly show uh, where we're going to feature the work of a lens-based artist. Um, and it's Basement Studio Film Club, so welcome to the club. Um I'm super excited about this. Thank you for joining us. And we are going to keep it to one hour, uh, but we'll try to get to audience questions at some point. And um, so Parker, uh, Parker Day was Bo K's choice for our first feature. And I'm so fucking grateful you said yes, because like your, yes, I mean, your photos are I mean, I'm a little bit like fangirling right now, so I'm a little bit nervous, but like the Oh, you're gonna make me blush over here. <laughs> but the colors, the textures, the absurd visuals, and um the quote from your pinned tweet, um, where you said that you believe in 
an underlying oneness that pervades our many fascinating forms. Um, I don't know if you've like looked at the poem that I have pinned up, but it's just, it's a poem that I wrote for my daughter. And so it is, that's absolutely what I believe too. And so like for your photos to be like so fucking amazing and then also to have these, this meaning behind it, it's, um, it's kind of like, it's a little too good to be true. Like, Bokeh, (laughs) I know that you are the fangirl here, okay? But I think we might have to, like, race. Like, we're going to have to have a race. (laughs) And whoever wins the fucking sprint gets to be the bigger Parker fan. What do you think? Oh, stop. (laughs) There's no competition. It's all love. The amount that I've said Parker Day's name in the last week has probably been, like, a world record. And uh, I love showing you off and I love showing off your work. And yeah, I'm just super excited that you're here. Thank you. Yeah, I'm stoked to talk to you guys. And Lunar, I really appreciate you highlighting that um, thing I said about, um, you know, my belief in underlying oneness, because that is the foundation of my life, really, my belief structure and why I make art like my uh, spiritual metaphysical beliefs, if you will, are very important to me. And I, I do believe that on like the ultimate level of reality, there is oneness. Like we are all connected in consciousness and God and just life force, whatever you want to call it. You know, I do believe that that's the foundation of our being. But at the same time, we're here incarnate in physical form living through ego identities and while we're here as ego identities like let's have fun with it and appreciate our differences on that level because there are so many different beautiful forms that people come in and so through icons especially i wanted to you know kind of visually equate everybody and that's why like they're all photographed very much the same way but there's so much diversity in the people and the characters they're portraying so i'm I'm trying to hold those two things at the same time like the unity and the beauty and difference wow holy fuck um i'm going real deep no <laughs> minute one <laughs> no that is so fucking beautiful and it and you know I really connect like the first thing I noticed about your photos and that I really connected with was the color and the texture, which I think a lot of people would say, but you know, when I find an artist that I can obsess over, um, usually it goes a little bit deeper than just that. And I didn't know that about your work. I am not fortunate like Bokeh who, who, you know, saw you in juxtapose. I might've seen you in juxtapose. I'm not aware of it at this point, but. It was a while ago. It was, yeah, it was probably like 2016 or 2017, which was like so massive for me because I literally remember when the first issue of juxtapose came out because uh, my dad had a comic book store, which was very underground comics centric. And the the painter, uh, Robert Williams, started Juxtapose. And so my dad, like his store, like we didn't have magazines really, but the fact that this underground artist started a magazine like was worth 
us carrying it. So when I was like a child, like 10, 11, I saw the first issue and so intrigued by it. And honestly, like juxtapose informed who I became as an artist. So for me to have my work in juxtapose was like a full circle moment for me. Was that the first magazine that you were featured in or no? Um, no, the first time I was in print was the New Yorker. That was a, a commission shoot. I, I photographed the musician Chelsea Wolf. Um, but like for my art, you know, it might have it was definitely like the first major publication that like printed something about my work no there was like some weird german magazine but i don't even speak german so <laughs> i don't know what they said in it <laughs> yeah that was that was the first time that i came across um your photography and oh, no, <clears throat> you know juxtapose was a magazine you know this was back in the day when i was still tagging up freeway bridges and you know i was getting my inspiration from uh uh magazines and stuff like juxtapose and I remember just coming across your work and, you know, I didn't even know who you were really like, you know, and even when you came to Twitter, I was like, holy shit. Like, you know, I was able to put a face to the artwork and I remember just my eyes lighting up. But um, I was going to ask you, um, while well, you were kind of, to be honest, you kind of were answering a lot of the questions I was going to ask you, but do you remember how you felt the first time that you were featured and what that did for you, you know, and for your art as a photographer and just, you know, what did that do for your self-confidence and um, how did you go from there? Yeah, well, in terms of doing my own art, achieving things along the way, like getting my artwork in print is so validating and encouraging like I really believe that we each have I, I don't know if I believe in fate per se but I do believe if we are in line with who we really are and walking a path that's true to our like most authentic selves that there are like signposts along the way that are like okay you're going the right direction keep going so for me like in my art journey of uh, getting my art in print it's like okay yeah Parker you're on the right track like keep going there's something here um and same with like getting a solo show or now doing this with quantum it's like okay yeah keep, keep it up you know because being an artist it's like you have to have faith in your own vision because it's not like we're providing a necessary service in a way you know what i mean it's like it you just got to trust that your vision is something the world wants to see so. Oh my god, Bokeh and I were just talking about like signposts today and like signs. Yeah. We talk about that shit all the time. But like um because at this point it's common knowledge, so I guess I'll talk about it, but like I'm going to be moving to the West Coast this summer with my daughter and it's like a super terrifying thing and I but I keep seeing 
little like hints from the universe that like, no bitch, you're doing the right thing. You're on the right track. Keep going. And yep. yeah, I totally believe in that. That's awesome. Where are you moving on the West coast? Uh, probably Los Angeles. That's why I was like, damn, oh, I'm going to yeah. miss your party. I wish that I was already there. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, that's exciting. You got to hit me up when you're here. And yeah, I'm yeah, I mean, I am in that, like, you got to take a leap of faith. And then, yeah, when you see those little signs, it's like, okay, yeah, this is it. Yeah, it's definitely a leap of faith. Um, do you feel like we introduced you sufficiently? Bokeh, do you need like, do we need to give you a whole like, do, I mean, it seems like people probably know who you are, but just in case. Yeah, Um uh... Okay, you introduce me. I get shy. <laughs> no, I I was actually going to freestyle it. I was like, I'm going to introduce her and how I found her, which was through Juxtapose. So I feel like we've covered that. Um, but I, uh, I kind of do want to talk um, a little bit about gear, if you don't mind. And I know you yeah. brought up Quantum, um, and I wanted to bring that up later on as well. But um, just because it's it's kind of common knowledge, but if you don't know, uh, Parker primarily shoots 35 millimeter. Is that true? It is. Yeah. Um, exclusively these days, but always, That's... always film sometimes medium format. I, I, I just kind of wanted, uh, you to walk us through like, uh, a, a, a day in your shoes, setting up for a shoot, just like, you know, especially with 35 millimeter, the look that you're able, able to achieve, like the sharpness. And I heard you in a space recently talk about how, um, like, oh, what were your exact words? Where you, where basically you pay attention to detail to the point where you, you want consistent results. And you see that in your photos, cause you just sent me, um, in, are you allowed me to look at your uh, Dropbox that you have like 200 photos in and the consistency is, you know, just out of this world. And I shoot film um, regular, regularly and I have such a hard time achieving the same look, but I always switch up the film stocks and I switch up the cameras. Uh, and I know I'm rambling on at this point, but yeah, just walk us through your setup and um, maybe like film stocks, if you're willing to share that information. Totally. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big sharer. I don't believe in like gatekeeping, certainly not film stocks and lenses and all that stuff, you know, like, yeah, the, the gear is important, but it's like, you know, you can't copy the vision. So I'm happy to share any any tips and tricks I might have learned because it might inspire somebody else. Um, but like with gear stuff, I feel like it should be chosen based on your intent. Um, so like for me, let's say with icons, for instance, I knew I wanted to be very hyper colored and contrasty and crisp. Um, so I chose Ektar film, which is like super lush lurid colors and the grain structure is beautiful it's like just really tight but still has that grit to it and i chose um zeiss lenses well really a zeiss lens which is 85 millimeter standard portrait lens because they're so crisp 
these lenses are incredibly sharp and contrasty. And then I just have my like trusty Canon film body, which is built like a little tank. I love it. And the lighting, um, I mean, in studio, you can tr control everything. So you can have like incredibly consistent results, obviously. Um, so yeah, I, I've kept the lighting basically the same for all those portraits. Um, Cause like I'm casually mentioned that my dad had a comic book store and I basically grew up in that comic book store with comic books. So for icons, I wanted to shoot them kind of the way you would see superheroes, you know, like really high key and crisp. And uh, yeah, I want, I wanted them to function as like trading cards. And so it's like, here's like the hero image, you know, of like this character. So I wanted that really like crisp light where you can see all the little details. Um, so yeah, that's a bit about my gear, but yeah, I'm, I think it's really valuable to try new things, but then once you know what the tools do, select the tools based on your intent. Right. That's my well, ethos. I think that it's uh, funny that you compared them in a way to trading cards because <clears throat> I kind of compared your work to, uh, do you remember the Garbage Pail Kids? Of course, yeah. Yeah, I kind of compared your work to a friend like that where I'm like, it's, you know, colorful, bizarre, unique, um, but almost like trading cards in a way and i think that's why your work fits so well in the nft community because they're very very collectible you know you kind of want to collect the whole set yeah exactly like that was a big appeal for me and why it was so important to me to do icons as like a set um is because yeah with nfts like there is activity on the secondary market there is trading going on and that can move so much faster than in like the physical print world and uh the fact that the quantum drop is a blind drop is or like blind mint rather it's like buying a, a pack of garbage pail kid cars like you don't know which stinky little cards you're gonna get <laughs> So you don't know which like weirdo portrait you're going to mint. And then I hope that people are actually like trading them on secondary to, you know, like get the ones they want or get like a set of them that work together. Um, I think that would be really fun. That reminds me a little bit of the the keepers of the inn, the Julie Pacino, how she's doing her uh, little sets too. She just had her town hall yesterday and they were kind of talking about about that um can i ask a little bit of a nerdy question um about so you're talking about like your gear and stuff um but you you have these super deep concepts and i know the way that my process is is always like i always kind of start with experimentation which kind of ends up a little bit like bouquet where it's like okay, so the con the results aren't super consistent, but it's because I'm still trying to find my way to a certain place. But um, so it's not always for me, it's not always concept that like drives me. It's like still I'm still in the learning phases, I guess. So 
whenever you um, are working on a project, do you start with the like the bigger, deeper meaning or do you start with like, oh, my God, I want to have a girl who has nipples all over her body? Like, what do you start with when you're planning out a shoot? Yeah, no, that's important to like experiment and see what what inspires you and what fits. Uh, for me, like since I like to work in series, I'll kind of conceptualize the series ahead of time. And that's that has to do with like the overarching concept and my intent and also like the rules for how I'm going to execute it, which I kind of talked about with icons, how it was like strict, like this is the lens, this is the lighting scenario, the framing, etc. Um but at the start of a new series, yeah, there there definitely needs to be some um, like testing of ideas. I guess like I have the ideas first and then it's like testing. Um, you know, it's like a scientific process. Like I have this theory that this will look cool and will say what I want to say, but I'm not going to know until I actually go out in the world and shoot it. Um, yeah, so like I'm working on a new series right now and have definitely been in that like well what about this film stock what about you know shooting outdoors or on location or you know um i'm in that phase right now which i don't necessarily love like i much prefer knowing like okay this is this is what i want to say how i want to say it and then i'm just off to the races you know i i like to get to that point where I've made all my decisions about what the parameters for this series are going to be and then just go out and like shoot like an insane person. That's when okay. I'm really happiest. Do you, do you have a team though? Cause like who does the makeup? <laughs> um, oftentimes it's me. Sometimes I collaborate with makeup artists, hairstylists, wardrobe people, or the models do it. Um, I like to do the makeup because I'm not that good at it and I like it to be a little messy. I find professional makeup artists will make it like so blended and glam and snatched and perfect. And I'm like, no, fuck her up a little bit. <laughs> so, you know, I'm, I'm not afraid to do that. Let's smudge it around. Oh my god, I love that. Holy shit. I definitely thought that you had like like the one where the eyes are painted on the face. I was like, Okay, so that yeah, that's beyond my abilities. <laughs> <laughs> Let's keep that. Keep the real here. So yeah, <laughs> that model was an amazing makeup artist. So it was really funny because um I had done the shoot with the model wearing the dress of many faces, and then I saw on Instagram this chick had made a Halloween costume inspired by it, but she had painted a whole bunch of eyes on herself. And I was like, oh shit, that's amazing. Like she took what I did, but then she like flipped it and made it her own. So I hit her up and was like, hey, we got to work together. Like I love what you did with the eyes. You want to do a character like that with me? So we conceived of this character together. Um, like I had the idea to do a, a beehive, a big pink beehive with a bunch of eyeballs in it to echo the the three sets of eyes on her face. And and then we just like on the spot 
when we were about to shoot, picked out the wardrobe to set it off. And that's how I, I work a lot of the time is um, I have a lot of clothes and props and what have you. And I'll ask my model to bring stuff too. And we just like mix it up and see what resonates with us in the moment. I would love to be a fly on the wall when you're talking over your ideas with models like uh, this photo that I have pinned to the top of um, the gal with the crutches and the like foot long heels. Just be like, hey, I have this crazy idea. I'm pretty sure at this point your friends and the people that know your work are not shocked by the ideas that you come up with. But how do you go about... Um, you know, explaining or sharing your concept with a potential model? Well, it depends. The most important thing is casting. And I think I'm a pretty good judge of character and personality. And like, I'm able to kind of like get the vibe of someone just based on their social media. Because um, most of my casting has been on, on Instagram. And usually like, I'm not shooting with people I've ever met before. Like we might have some mutuals, but like I don't I've never seen them in the flesh till they come to my studio. Uh, but like that one with the the crutches and the ten inch pleaser stripper heels, that model like I yeah I just found her on Instagram. Oh no, I know what I did. I posted on my stories that I was just looking for someone to get like weird and nasty, and I posted some John Waters stills as a reference. Cause I just wanted to do something kind of like sexy and raunchy. And then that chick, Sophia responded, like she didn't even follow me. Somebody sent it to her. Cause I guess she's just like that much of like a weirdo. And so she hit me up and I was like, Oh my God, you're stunning. And you're down to get weird. Yes. Come through. So we had zero plan uh, entering the shoot. And then we're just like looking through my clothes and she was down to wear the buttless skirt <laughs> and she brought the heels because she is actually a former dancer. Uh, so then I was like looking around my studio. I was like, oh, my God, the crutches like you actually need those to walk in the heels. So it's perfect. <laughs> yeah, it's very organic. That's awesome. And I've read somewhere that most of the clothes I mean, you said that sometimes the models will bring their clothes, but that most of the clothes come out of your own collection, like your own closet. Um, this Goosebumps um, lunchbox, is that something that you've had? No. So that one, um, Maddie made her costume. She even brought the lunchbox. Like, that is all her. Um, with Icons, the series, there are some portraits where the character is like completely the model themselves other times i completely styled them and then most of the time it was a collaboration but maddie's just such an incredible creative force like i shot that i think she was still a teenager maybe she was like 18 19 but her parents came and they were super sweet and yeah, it was super cool. We've stayed in touch over the years and she's like she's like massive on TikTok now and she's like selling hundreds of dresses that, that she's hand making and 
yeah, it's, it's, it's cool. Super cool to like collaborate with these create creatives and see, uh, you know, how they grow through the years. Okay. Do you, do you want to do your, no, you got another question. Sorry. No, I do. I was going to get to it right now. Because I I was kind of hoping that that Goosebumps lunchbox was something personal to you because I wanted to do something crazy that I haven't seen done in spaces just yet. But I wanted to have a little trivia. Uh, And if you get these answers right, I'll be more than happy to Venmo you uh, tomorrow's coffee will be on me. (laughs) Oh my God. That's so cute. Okay. Sure. It's a goosebumps trivia. All right. And I only got a couple of questions. You think you're uh, up for it? I don't know. I actually don't know anything about goosebumps. I'm going to out myself right now. Oh man. (laughs) I'm I'm Uh, too old. I think, I think it was like not even popular till I was already like, I'm over it. You know what I mean? We'll do it like um, who wants to be a millionaire or where you can use a lifeline. Maybe somebody in the listeners. Yes. Okay. I love that. All right. Here's a, here's the first question and it should be an easy one. Who is the author of the Goosebumps books? R.L. Stein. Uh, see, you know more, <laughs> but they get harder. That was a softball one. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and uh, the second question, just because you're a photographer, this book is based off of uh, after you take a picture uh, that the, well, at least on the cover, they're taking a photo and the family is just full of skeletons. Can you finish the title of this book? It goes, Say Cheese blank blank fill in the blanks phone a friend (laughs) is there anyone listening who knows if anybody listening knows how to finish the title of that book to help out parker chime in oh no do you know the photographer death cats no doesn't sound familiar Oh, you got to check her out on instagram because she loves goosebumps and she's done so many photo shoots inspired by goosebumps i think if she was listening to this she would be like screaming right now yeah i'm gonna write down that name so i don't forget really yeah you dig it death cats okay it doesn't look like anybody's uh requesting the mic no we're stumped yeah second question and and uh lunar even told me she's like "Ooh, i don't know about her trivia i was like this is gonna be fun trust me but uh, the title is called Say Cheese and Die. Oh, man, I almost wanted to guess that. But I was like, nah. I'll, I'll give you one more. And if you get this right, I'll still uh, coffee's on me tomorrow. Okay, ready? All right, what you got? Who played the author, um, R.L. Stein in the movie Goosebumps? Hey, what does R.L. Stein even look like? Is R.L. Stein a man or a woman? I don't know. Uh, I, the actor I, was a male. You never seen the movie as well? No. <laughs> Shameful. Oh, no. Do you, Wait, know, do you know who Tenacious D is? Yeah. Okay. Uh, just You got a 50-50 tr- uh, shot. There you go. All right. Jack Black okay. played R.L. Stein in the movie Goosebumps. There you go. 
Awesome. So you didn't have to use phone a friend, but you used like the clue, right? Is that one of the options where you could get a clue? Right. <laughs> yeah. See, I was into Fear Street. I was into the ghost stories stuff. So I don't know shit about goosebumps either, but No, I missed it. But I but I liked but I like the trip of bouquet. Bouquet yes. bokeh. Yes. Okay, wait, I want to ask you a question, because I'm super intrigued by your recent photo, as you know, and you said it's of your son, and then was it your mom in the photo who's, like, ironing? Yeah, no, it's uh, my grandmother. It's your grandmother. grandmother? Yeah, my son. Oh, that's so cool. Are you working on a series using your, your family members? Uh. Maybe not all of my family members. I do have a handful of ideas um, to wrap up this collection um, that I'm working on. But um, mm-hmm. I think I think for the next collection, I kind of want to do stuff more cinematic, like look back at movies that inspired me and just certain directors and try to channel um, them and make things look more cinematic. But for this idea... Um, I have a f- few more things brewing that I think, you know, people would really like. And yeah, I for one want to see a lot more. Yeah, I'm super excited. And trust me, when, uh, you know, you reached out to me to ask, um, you know, about this concept, I was fucking just on cloud nine, like, oh, my God. And then I felt like I let you down when I was like, yeah, I converted black and white film to color. No, I think like, that's I'm more dope. I just am so clueless about it. Yeah, and, you know, the more I learn about you, too, like, you make your own clothes, or um, you were in a space recently where you were saying you make clothing using cyanotypes, or? Yeah, that's right, Um, because, like, when the pandemic lockdown first happened, and I was freaking out about not being able to, like, create, I was searching for ways I could still be creative, and tie in with photography without actually shooting people and i had already started making some like hoodies as merch and um yeah just like had the idea to look into doing cyanotypes and even though i live in sunny los angeles uh i don't have a backyard so i i wasn't able to make cyanotypes with the sun like is traditionally done so I did a whole bunch of research and testing and devised a way to expose my cyanotypes with UVA grow lights, which are used for marijuana cultivation. Uh, yeah, it works amazing. So I'm able to get really consistent results with my cyanotypes and I make cyanotype hoodies of my photos. So, so you individually made each one of these hood because I'm looking at your merch on your website. So like you, like each individual one you fucking had your hands on and you were making that shit yourself. Exactly. Yeah, I hand print them and like I. So you know, much like any photographic printing process, you do your exposure and then you gotta like develop it, right? So with cyanotypes, it develops in just water. So I take those hoodies and put them in my bathtub and agitate them in a pool of water and rinse them real good and then dry them. But yeah, they are lovingly pawed at by my my hands and 
made personally. She does all that while growing her pot. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, just just a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I definitely am gonna have to get that little uh little keychain. That's so fucking cool. The little merch that you have on your site. I just the more that I go down the rabbit hole of the shit that you make the more I am, like, speechless. And Bokeh knows that I'm not fucking speechless ever. So. Well, yeah, I like to I like to stay busy. So, yeah, it's funny. Like, right now I'm about to release Icons as an NFT series, but I'm working on a, a new body of work at the same time. So, like, my mind's kind of split in these two worlds. But it's so wonderful that now with nfts we're able to like revisit old work and give it new life so i'm it's been so rewarding to me to like be on twitter now and be introducing people to this body of work and you know let it live on over here um so yeah my my drop is coming up super soon with quantum and we're having a party at Super Chief in LA. And I don't know if there's anyone in the room who's in LA, which is sad because I hope I want everybody here to come party with me. It's going to be so fun. I will fly to LA. I will be a part yes. of the party if you give me a ticket. Come through. Yeah. Guest of honor. God damn, yeah. I'm going to be traveling. I'm going to be in Santa Fe that fucking week. And I just got back from Denver. So I, I and then. You know, I'm moving myself out there, so I got to try to save my money. But it's just yes, maybe next, maybe next party. I'll make the next party. So but yeah, I'm, you I'm, spoke on quantum. Yes. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say. So for this party we're doing, it's super cheap. Um, right now, like conceptualizing a photo booth, I'm gonna do at it because I want come party be able to a photo in world that resembles icons portraits so I'm, I'm really excited about like the planning of this i think i'm gonna do like a pink furry space like hot pink floor pink velvet drapes and i'm looking at buying this plastic purple hand really excited about <laughs> And then the the kicker is I'm going to have three models that I'm going to style completely to just like hang out in the photo zone or mill out the party. But I'm going to have them each be painted a different color. So there are going to be like one person will be red, another green and blue. Damn, you're breaking up a little bit. Is it just me hearing I, it like that? I was just getting ready to ask if I'm being rugged or not because that like last minute or so was just super blunt. Oh, she's down to listeners. Yeah, it looks like she got rugged. Hey, uh, um, Black, really quick. We're going to um, ex- give out the mic here after Parker's finished speaking. Um, same with Lex. I saw you requested the mic. Um Lex uh, is going to be first if she wants to speak up. Matthew, not sure if you want to chime in, but I want to make sure that we get to everybody that wants to chime in uh, once Parker's done. Yeah, Yeah. now we can hear you. 
Anyway. I thought yeah, it was. We only caught about like half of what you were saying about that booth and stuff. Oh no, now you guys are breaking up for me. But yeah, I was saying that I'm going to style a bunch of models um, to be like in body paint is like one's going to be red, another blue and green. Because I want I want people coming to the party to live the, the full fantasy and have the portraits on the walls come to life. Damn, I'm having super FOMO about missing that fucking party. Yeah, really. <laughs> oh, you'll you'll be in LA soon enough, Lunar. I know, I know. With my little baby, so I'm gonna have to find a babysitter. Yes. How how uh, old's your baby? Well, she's six. My oh. baby's six years old. She uh actually would fit right into your little world because she's she. I let her dress herself, and she um looks amazing all the time and uh, she loves bright colors and yeah i mean like i love maybe, that yeah she's a sweetie uh okay do you want to open it up to audience questions because we've been kind of talking for a minute and uh, asking our questions for a minute yeah i was just wondering if uh parker wanted to speak on quantum first or if she wants to have people ask her some questions for sure yeah how about anyone who wants to chat um like raise their hand and i'll just ramble a little bit until <laughs> someone jumps in uh yeah so about quantum it's going down on march 14th at 8 a.m pst that will be when um, minting opens and icons is now a series of 200 portraits so what happened was I first released Icons as a series of 100 portraits in 2017. And since that time, I've been shooting in the same style because it was my intention to do like a follow-up volume of a fresh 100 Icons. And then when I was talking to Quantum about doing this, like somehow it came out that I had more than 100 Icons and they were like, well, wait, how many do you actually have? I was like, I could do 200. And so here we are. It's on. And I, I feel like it's it's so perfect because even though Icons is like an older body of work, it has this fresh life now and a new identity with NFTs. So, let's bring some I other actually folks had in here a little question like when did you how did you find out about nfts when did you get into them oh that's actually a good question okay so i've i first got bitcoin in 2014 i used to be a hairdresser and my friend who happens to be my first ever boyfriend which is funny um he got his hair cut by me and he paid me in bitcoin he like you know, showed me how to get a wallet and everything. There was no Coinbase back then, none of that. And I didn't, I didn't have the foresight to think about how this was about to change the world. Uh, but Casey, who gave me the Bitcoin, he certainly did. And it was like, then in 2017, I got into trading crypto. And I, I remember one day Casey called me and he was like, hey, Parker, do you, are you aware of like what's going on with the, the crypto punks? I was like, oh, yeah, I kind of heard a little bit about that. And he was like, yeah, so people are doing like art on the blockchain. And I think your series icons would be really good for it. 
And I was like, what? I don't know. I don't know. I'm an analog photographer. And, you know, this is just like digital art, like pixel art. And again, I didn't have like the vision at that time. Um, so we didn't pursue it. And there wasn't even the name NFT at that point. So it wasn't until like about a year ago that I actually minted my first NFT. And even then, there weren't that many photographers around. And I was like, oh, God, like, do I have to do some 3D art or something to get noticed in this space? And um, yeah, it's so weird because sometimes I think like, well, what would have happened if I had done, you know, my 100 icons back in 2017? Like that could have been the first photographic project on the blockchain. And it might have might have been like legendary and historical or it would have just been a little blip and fizzle. And nobody would have noticed because I didn't have the wherewithal to promote it. So it it, it trips me out thinking about it sometimes because like you just you never know. And I do believe like everything happens for a reason and in the right time. And I am so grateful that it's happening now with Quantum and my gallery super chief. Like I I've told them and other people, I feel like it's just you know the uh like the stars are aligning so so yeah. what was your first nft project then since you didn't drop that because i noticed you it does say on there like those photos are from like 2015 which was encouraging to me as someone who like my first collection was some some stuff i shot back in 2020 but um what did you end up minting first oh it um it was a, a portrait um actually from the original icons series so this new icon series doesn't include that because that one is like a standalone genesis piece um which beautiful amazing talented artist and collector sarah zucker has um so yeah that's it's of like the the green lady holding the eyeballs it's called the female gaze so is it the one where she's got blood on her teeth? Is it that one? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, dang. Wow. Oh my God. So that is pretty historic. Do you, did you, was there already photography or was that like the first photo? Do you know? Oh no, no, no. Cause that was only a year ago that I minted oh, okay. that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I didn't do anything way back then when my, my very uh, clever friends had, <laughs> had the imagination to to do icons back in 2017 oh, that's right. you said 2017 yeah, yeah my yeah. nft history is not the best yet i'm still like an artist trying to like learn nfts my own self well i love that there's a lot of people in that place right now because i think we have a big future together and just got to keep building Fuck yeah, we do. I uh, I met Bokeh, which, by the way, earlier he, uh, I'm not really sure how to pronounce his his Twitter name. Earlier he told me that it's pronounced Daddy, <laughs> but he, uh, I met him like two weeks ago in Denver, and now we're like best friends. <laughs> we talk like all day long over over uh, fucking. You were like texting me when I was already about to start the room I was like okay okay it's like showtime dude it's 5 54 quit fucking texting me I call him I call him BK um just because when I first met him I kept getting his name wrong he was like 
as a photographer, you should definitely know how to say my name. I was like, well, I'm going to just call you BK. And if you don't answer, then too bad for you. Um, yeah, uh, BK was kind of one of the first people that I kind of met in the photography space. So um. I love BK. And in BK's uh, credit, I did was like, can I, should I pronounce it Boca? Should I pronounce it Bokeh? Should I, what should I say? And he was cool with all of it. So you guys are too kind, too kind. I love all of you. Yeah. And uh, honestly, he tells me to call him that as well. So you're not the only one. <laughs> really oh. quick though. Um, Lex, did you have a question for Parker? Uh, no, I kind of was just enjoying um, the space and the mood and just um, everything that you put out there. It's uh, a lot of great work. Um, I'm in love with it. Oh, thank you, Lex. I hope you were taking notes. Like she was telling you which camera she uses, which film <laughs> stock, right. which wait, uh, Wait, you know I had to leave because literally I had someone calling me, so I told you I missed that. Don't worry, I have the space recorded, and also I'm like like experimenting with also like having my little podcast set up over here right now, so that I can like like literally just put it on the little podcast server, so I can have these episodes on my website. So it'll be there. You could take your notes later. Mm. So, is it true? It's not a thing. There's not a camera that shoots both digital and film. It's just one or the other. Right. Um, I believe with maybe phase one cameras, they have digital. Inf- Wait, no, what? Oh, there are some medium format cameras. I don't know which one that have digital backs or film backs. Because I remember many years ago when I was still in art school and digital was not really a thing yet. There were medium film format cameras that you could buy a digital back for. Uh, but yeah, I don't know who really wants to do that. Just have different cameras. <laughs> yeah, Sorry, I didn't mean to me like is. put up the, the, the laughing. I was I was trying to put the heart and then I put the Oh no, it's all good. It's uh, okay. Oh, oh no, wait, wait. I, was I have just... oh, go ahead. I have an amazing pro tip though. This is like super helpful for anybody who shoots in studio or like with strobe lighting. Here's my setup. I set up my lights, my strobe lights. I take my light meter reading according to, you know, my preferences, my film speed, etc. Then I take my test shots with my digital camera. So on my digital camera, I see an approximation of what it's going to look like. Of course, the film has its own qualities, but I'll see that the light is perfectly balanced. I'll be able to show my model so they just, you know, know what's happening with the strobe lights. And then I switched to my film camera, which has the exact same settings. And my digital camera and my film camera are both Canon cameras that take EF lenses. So I can, you know, move the lenses back and forth so I can do my digital test with the same damn lens if I want to. Uh, yeah, it's so, so helpful. I highly recommend people do that. The reason I do it is because I learned how to shoot with Polaroid backs on Hasselblad cameras. So what you would do is, you know, you get your your meeting, meter readings, everything, you're, you're all set up. And then before you would on film, you put your Polaroid back on the camera and you fire one off and then you pull it out and you see what you got. Of course, we can't really do that now because that 
Polaroid, like Polaroid back sheet film is now not being made. And if you find it on eBay, it's like $10 a sheet or something stupid. Uh, but yeah, back in the day, that's how I learned. So there's my pro tip. I, I was just asking because um, I was kind of thinking of switching to like a Leica like film and maybe a digital camera just to have um you know because the canon's only the only can camera i've ever like shot with and i've just been hearing a lot of different stories about different cameras so i was just trying to um you know like switch it up a little bit like i love my canon rp but the shutter speed is just very slow when i'm taking pictures and it kind of is very annoying and like i just hate when it does that so I was just looking into Leica or other cameras as well. So I kind of wanted to ask what better to ask than a room full of photographers. They would probably know more than me. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know anything about Leicas because I don't like range finders personally, um, but they're beautiful. I know that much. So maybe someone else knows better. Lex, Parker just says she shoots with the Canon A1. That's a $50 camera. I don't shoot with an AE one. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, I, I, EOS one V. I'm trying to give her hope. Down a cheap camera would do. I do believe that. I do believe that. Yeah, I just yeah, yeah. Canon AE one. That's great. You don't but need that, to spend a lot of money. That 85 millimeter lens, though, that is my dream lens, man. That that every single photo that I like on Twitter. You know, and I'll ask the photographer what lens was that. I would say nine out of ten times they say it was the eighty-five. Like mm. that's such a prime lens. They're beautiful, yeah. But like, you can get a cheap film body. Like honestly, I like the Canon Rebel. It's so cheap. I just personally like a little bit of automatic functions. Like I want the film to advance on its own. I don't need to do that. <laughs> but that's just me. Um so yeah, I would say like get a Canon Rebel and get a fixed lens. Doesn't have to be the Zeiss, although you can find amazing deals if you hunt. Um and what's weird is camera gear tends to hold its value these days, at least for for film. Because right. there's more and more demand. So those yeah. automatic film advances, though, they burn through film. Trust me. When Lunar came to Denver, I let her shoot my Mamiya, which has the automatic film uh, advancer. And she burned through, like, a thing of still in maybe a minute. Damn, then... damn, put me on blast. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> what I was going to get on here and say that. Like, I loved that fucking it was like it was magic but i did i looked up and i was like holy shit i just shot half of that roll like okay i gotta slow down <laughs> so. yeah now you can get an itchy trigger finger and just fly through it yes yeah so it was very amateur of me because i'm used to like having the fucking crank wind thing and <laughs> really slowing me down so yeah oh do we have bronwyn up on the as a speaker What's up, yeah. Bronwyn? Hi, Bronwyn and Matthew and Lagarto and, and everybody. Hi. Um I'm just uh I've I love I've loved Parker's work for a while, so it's cool to hear you speak um in here. I just was popping through and 
wanted to say that uh, I think it's rad that you're into the NFTs and stuff because I see a lot of hate um, kind of from the world of Instagram converting to Twitter. And I also am like an Instagram expat at this point, like coming into Twitter, sort of trying to figure all the NFT stuff out and, and getting ahead of the curve. Um, so I just want to say it's rad to see you in this space. And how are you like in foundation? Thanks. Yeah, it's um, foundation is has been good. Um, but yeah, you're so right. Like coming from Instagram, it's like jumping off all of that NFT hate and then touching down here where it's like, oh, this like bright, happy world on Twitter where like people are actually supportive of artists like making money for their creative output. You know, it's weird. Like on Instagram, it's like, what do you just... You will just want me to starve while I give you free content. Uh, does that make you happy? I don't get it. <laughs> but yeah, foundation foundation is is good. I don't think I've really gotten that many eyeballs on my work on foundation just because of foundation. You know, it's like you got to do your own promotion. Maybe some people get lucky and get like featured. I don't. I don't think I have. Um, but I just like that it's a much more pleasing platform to look at and interact with than OpenSea. Yeah, it's and, a, I feel like it's because it's invite only, it has a little bit more of that. Uh, I mean, it's not, it's a little curated, but I mean, it isn't also because you can get any invite from anyone who's sold anything on foundation. But um, I've been minting on Object, which is a Tezo blockchain, which is on the Tezos blockchain. And I've been really digging the Tezo world um, do you have any thoughts on like doing Tez drops or are you sticking with ETH for now? I'm going to stick with ETH. I haven't looked at Tezos that closely, but I understand that there's been a lot of volati volatility in the market. And I believe in Ethereum long term. And so I feel more comfortable having my work on the Ethereum blockchain like have and interacting with that. Um yeah, that's that's just where I'm at. Since I've been trading crypto since 2017, I'm like the worst things I've done is like go away from Bitcoin and Ethereum. You know what I mean? Um, so I'm just a big Bitcoin and Ethereum believer. That's where I'm at. That's real. I feel that I'm about to drop on foundation. I just uh, I get censored a lot, so I can't mint most of my work on foundation they have a little bit more of a sensor than oh that's um, fucked i don't know yeah i mean it's not I, I don't think it's that bad i just think that i'm a little worried about it i'm worried about it with super rare also um and open seas just like you said it's just a little bit feels a little convoluted and it seems like it's not scammy necessarily but it can feel a little bit more like that so i kind of just like not interested in it as much maybe i'm just totally ignorant to it but that's my first take um, but that's kind of why I'm on the object world is in the, in the Tezos is as of right now, they have no um, plans on censorship stuff, but yeah, it's kind of interesting. Well, that's good. Cause I am very much in favor of like free speech and free artistic expression and very much against censorship. So that's unfortunate to hear that you've like run up against some uh, censorship there. What of your stuff got censored? Because, you know, I feel like 
even in this like new world of new of NFTs, which is new to me. I shouldn't keep saying that. It has been around longer than that than I've been here. But like I still see like people talking down to artwork that has sexuality and nudity. And I'm just like, really? Like really today that's still happening. So like what of your stuff is getting censored? So I haven't actually tried minting on foundation and I haven't hit any roadblocks. I've just in, in my research and chatting with other folks, they always bring it up like, Oh, you should worry about this. And so like, I haven't actually had the experience, but I've gotten censored just left and right on Instagram, left and right, even on Twitter. Uh, and for a moment there, I was flagged on Google. Like just you looked up my name and it was like explicit content warning popped up. And I was like, what? It's like drawings. I don't know. But um, weird. Yeah. So do you like have nudity in your drawings or or like I'm I sorry. just checked it out right now, dude. It's fucking dope. It's I know. I followed so. you. I fucking like it a lot. Yes. I mean, I think- I, 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 it's just, yeah, I think it's just, just out, out out there. I don't, it's not even necessary. Like, there's, there's sexual aspects and stuff, but um, I don't know, whatever. It just, I've just been curious because, I mean, I've minted a bunch on the Tezo blockchain and I have seen that Tezo was kind of like, it was doing pretty well and then it kind of like dived and now it's kind of like struggling to keep on its footing. But I want to believe in Tez. It's like this underdog, but I should probably mint to Ethereum like, I hadn't really thought of it in the longevity as much. So that's pretty real about Ethereum's longevity. I hadn't yeah. even thought about censorship issues, which is concerning now because some of the poems that I'm working on that I'll be like sharing in the next few months definitely raise some issues with like the language and the topics. Um it's been an hour now and I want to like respect everybody's time. Cause I said it was, the show was going to be an hour. So how oh, are wait, y'all feeling? Wait, we got Matthew here. We haven't, we haven't heard from Matthew. Hi, yes. Okay. So okay. hi, love. How are you? I'm good. Sorry. I just wanted to come up and one, like this conversation has just been amazing and oh. just say how much I love you and your work. I was curious about, your influences do you like look at dadaism a lot or the surrealists oh um you know i do want to do more research into dada art but yeah surrealism for sure like i remember my mom having dolly books and so like i feel like i was steeped in that from a young age my favorite artist yeah i think i could say artist across the board is francis bacon um so you know his work is very dark and emotional and and the color is so visceral and the textures are so visceral and then paired with that um yeah i like rothko which is kind of weird because it's just abstract but or um but like the color is what really speaks to me. Like seeing a Rothko painting in person, it's like the colors vibrate and suck you in and push you away. And I'm really interested in like the bodily response people have to color and texture. I, I love it because your work reminds me a lot of like Otto Deeks in a way. Like it's this hyper realism and yeah. like the rawness and you also just have such graphic forms usually and just like the structure of them 
I, I just, I love your work so, so much. Okay, Auto Geeks, what is that? So that I can look it up. And sorry, Matthew, I did not mean to exclude you. I wasn't going to. Oh, don't worry about it. No, I was totally just loving this. Like, y'all were just having the best conversation. I'm like, oh my God, I love all of this. <laughs> so, how does the auto, what is Auto Deeks? How, how um, Otto Deeks was a German expressionist, or uh, Groge, I just forgot his first name, but the the, the German expressionists, uh, they were just doing work that like was hyper, like it, I call it hyper-realism because it's, uh, it, it just sort of exemplifies like the grotesqueness of the era and like oh, God. sort that of hyper-consumption and it's sort of graphic, but it's also not at the same time. It's just your work has that kind of tension played between it and I just I truly love it grotesque and the color is theory, like, it's brilliant so, sorry I didn't mean to interrupt but yes grotesque is like oh sometimes I forget about that word but it like describes everything that I love about art if there's if there's grotesque then I'm there oh okay so it's o-t-t-o-d-i-x okay I was wow I was spelling it like a U T O D E E K. Okay. Like AutoZone <laughs> dicks. <laughs> AutoZone. Get into the zone. <laughs> so cool. Damn, oh, I found out George about Grows. It. That was the other one. Okay. Who? Okay. This is George so Grows. Oh. Oh, Sorry, I'm like an art history or just, I'm a history geek. I'm just a geek in general about like weird fun facts and like when art like makes me think of a headspace I'm like oh I love this headspace that you're dabbling in <laughs> oh my god don't apologize please I got I just found out about a whole new movement I didn't know about and two new artists and death cats I'm gonna look death cats up too so yeah. this is why we're here <laughs> No, I love the the art history nerd aspect. I feel like I I haven't studied painting as much. Like my photo history, I feel like I got down pretty good. But yeah, there's a, a whole world of of other forms of art I want to dive deeper into. Did you study art, Matthew? Uh yeah, I studied art history and fashion history. Nice. Yeah, I would I wish I had been more into history when I was in school like back in my school days I was kind of like rolling my eyes at it I just wanted to like shoot my cool friends and party like that's all I wanted to do when I was in my 20s <laughs> I, I totally get that fortunately I was at Parsons so like I couldn't miss more than two classes or I'd be failed out so like I was forcibly made to pay attention and I usually like would stumble into class after a night of partying so I was quite uh, yeah. able to be awake at that point nice <laughs> that sounds like a good life that i was kind of like you parker where i didn't pay attention to the fucking history i tried to test out of it as much as possible and now i regret that because it's such a rich area for like inspiration now like i was young right so i didn't realize that one day i was going to get older and i was going to need new sources of ideas you know and now oh. I'm interested in the history of things. Yeah. Speaking of history, I want to share with you a couple of photographers that really inspire me. Um, lately, I've just had a renewed obsession with Philip Lorca de Corsia, uh, or de Corsia. I'm not sure how you say it. Are you guys familiar with him? Yeah. Philip Lorca de Corsia. De Corsia. Thank you. Yeah. His Hustlers series is phenomenal so what he did was he took 
grant money. Do you remember who it was from, Matthew? Was it like the National Endowment for Arts? Yeah, Something I think like it was that. that, or it was from the Kennedy Endowment. Yeah, so some prestigious arts endowment endowed him with a considerable sum of money to produce a body of work. And he used it to pay male prostitutes. <laughs> and so the male prostitutes were his models, and the photos are titled with the name of the hustler in question and how much he was paid, which was how much he would charge for his services, and then the location. And what he would do was set up a location ahead of time with his assistants. So it was lit perfectly and it was just ready for the model to step into. And then he, I believe, had an assistant who would help like scout the models and take them over to the location, like a motel or, you know, a restaurant or whatever, and then shoot them there. And it's just this incredible fusion of being a historical document of a place and a time and people and fantasy because the way he used lighting to communicate emotion is like unparalleled and the, the posing the composition oh i'm a sucker for a strong composition like a composition can like make the or break a story in a photograph and he's a master of it. So I'm like super passionate about this body of work and I've been geeking out on it lately. It's very inspiring. Oh my God. I love that when I first like came up with the idea to do this show, my first thought was like, I am going to just be a nerd for like the first 10 minutes of the show and just do like a formal analysis of people's artwork <laughs> and then I was like maybe not people are not gonna want to just listen to me like do a critique of Parker's photographs but then you took it there anyway so I feel a little bit I love that I don't, I don't hear enough critiques <laughs> I want more like dissection of photographs because I think that's how you really become a great photography photographer other than shooting itself it's important to look at photographs and analyze like why is this working or why isn't it working what aspects are making it stronger or weaker and that's how we train our brains to see the world and see through our cameras you know what actually ended up happening was i just looked at your photos and i was like oh uh what could i possibly critique about this like i guess i come from it from a perspective of like you know, talking about what can be improved in a critique, right? And I was like, fuck, there's nothing to improve. These are perfect. And I could, and I figured that like, just talking about the, like, completely the formal elements would just be completely boring. So uh, I'm glad to hear that it's not. But, but okay, so hold on. So Matthew, you're like a history person. So I am, I've been kind of like lately obsessed with like talking, because I, I'm also a teacher and it's kind of a secret, I guess. Maybe it's not a secret. Um, I've been constantly talking with my students lately about like the history of, of when the camera was invented and like how it completely changes art history. Like that, when people start getting cameras, it just changes everything. So, so what do you know about that? I don't know if you want to talk about it. Oh God, where do you want me to start? <laughs> Yay! No, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I guess with my kids, I always like point out because they, you know, like they're like 15 and 16 years old. So they they think that like 
conceptual painting and, and conceptual art and, and abstract painting has always existed. Like they don't realize that like before the camera was invented, that painters were the cameras of history, you know? And um, it wasn't until after the camera became available to people that painters were like, holy shit, like I can do something else besides just document, you know, uh, royalty or whatever. And so I, that fascinates me. I don't know a ton about it, right? Because again, I, I fucking tested out of the art history classes as much as I could, which was a dumb decision looking back. But um, so yeah, whatever. I don't know if if y'all are okay with continuing this space. Yeah, totally. And uh, like you were saying about history, there was there's actually a long road for photography to be taken seriously as an art form. And, uh, you know, aside from early black and white photographers, then let's skip ahead to like mid-century and um, William Eggleston. He was the first one to get color photography taken seriously as art. And of course, like, I just want to skip ahead to color because I'm the color queen. So like that's such an important moment because when color film was first created it was marketed as like a way to document your family vacations right and so it was like you know associated with novelty and not art like black and white photography that was being accepted as art and seen in galleries and then along comes Eggleston and he's taking photos of like tricycles and i don't know like a cup <laughs> like nothing the banality of it was offensive to many critics um but there was a curator who do you remember the name of the curator matthew oh god me- now you're really just testing me I'm- i know like <laughs> there will be a quiz <laughs> at the end of the, the space today <laughs> but there was a, a curator um lot Anyway, who gave him his first, like, museum show. And there was, like, an uproar of of critics being like, this is not art. But, of course, like, it was an important, like, historical moment and, like, changed the tide. And now he is the master of color that we all look to. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And, like, another photographer I love is Alex Prager. And Eggleston is a huge inspiration for her if you're not familiar, she does like very character oriented film scene like shoots. And now she's known for these like massive crowd photos where everyone's like in costume and they're all colorful and it's a lot of like vintage styling. Um, so it, I think it's really interesting to look at the history of photographic art and see these kind of lines, how like one artist gives rise to another and like that's something i think about a lot in terms of like where we're at right now and especially with nfts like i see nfts giving photographic artists an opportunity to really hunker down on their art rather than thinking about like i gotta find a a client so i can eat you know we're able to make art and make money and use that to make more art so I think we're we're entering a renaissance of photographic art. And I just wonder, like, who's going to be the next 
historical photographer who's going to be the next Eggleston who changes things. Uh, you're definitely on that roster. Stop. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> True. And I think like, Julie, too, who just got here. Welcome, Julie. I think y'all are both on that roster. You know, one of the things that fascinates me about this movement, and I and I try to tell my students, too, is like, you know, and it got brought up earlier that people laugh at NFTs and want to, like, pretend like they're not art and that they're, it's a bunch of bullshit. And I'm like, look at every single important art movement of, throughout history and how it was received in the beginning. It's always laughed off the stage or, like, even they burned down galleries, you know? I think it was the Impressionists. They wanted to burn down the fucking galleries because they were so offended. And I didn't know that Eggleston was offensive when he first started. I did not know that he was, like, the first one to make uh, photographs considered art or like color because I love his work too. But it's, I mean, if we just look at history, we can see the patterns and we're we're like enmeshed in this pattern now. It's so exciting. I think that's a key. So sorry. Oh, no, no, no. I'm just echoing (laughs) what's being said. No, I I completely agree. I think that's such an important thing is to remember that history is cyclical and what we sort of iconize and spend our time thinking about is not necessarily what it took to get a movement started, but rather just the success stories. And no one really talks about the groundwork that was happening with a lot of artists that were super underrepresented once the movement became uh, something. But up until that point, like even the Dada's movement, like everyone sort of talks about how Duchamp is like legendary now, but that was not seen well. Like the urinal was not received well at all. It was a huge affront to the community at the time. And it took decades and maybe like a century for it to really be received as almost now a contemporary marker for what... I'd almost say the NFT community is starting in is a dis- disassociation of culture and being able to just say, fuck it to the mainstream. And this is just what we're going to call art and you're going to have to follow it, which I think is great because the best kind of art happens out of rebellion, but it also comes down to artisans sitting around and saying, okay, how do we speak together to create a movement and propel thought rather than just being another capitalist void? Um, yeah, that was amazingly well said. I don't even think I can add anything valuable to that. <laughs> BK, where are you at? You went am, silent. No, I'm literally writing down names, taking notes, uh, researching on Google, all these people. Like, you know, that's one thing that I love about these spaces, too. You know, like, even though I'm a co-host, I'm still learning i'm still a student of art and that's one of the reasons why it was important to me to invite matthew because you know he has so much wisdom beyond his years and he's been you know boots on the ground and worked shoulder to shoulder with you know a lot of you know well-known photographers and um i knew he would be a great element to add you know talking with parker because you know parker is amazing and she is very much on the top of the roster of, you know, this movement. And I love that the word like, you know, Renaissance is thrown around, you know, it makes this feel extra special, you know, I don't know how to explain it, but yeah, I'm by all means, I'm, you know, I'm silent, but I'm learning, I'm researching and 
this Philip uh, DeCorsia, um, if that's how you say the last name, love, love, love their work. Like, it, it makes me look back at my work and, you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of color. And that's also why I'm a huge fan of Parker's is because her colors are just so vibrant and there. But I'm looking at this work and I'm like, do I always need to be so vibrant? You know, like sometimes just that nice neutral tone straight out of camera, you know, looks just as good. But yeah, I don't, I don't have anything clever to add to this. I'm just listening. You guys are all, you know, fucking geniuses. And uh, please continue. So I sadly have to run momentarily but i wanted to give a shout out to julie who's in our nice little room here because she's a legend and doing historical work and it's and it's super inspiring so <laughs> Can you I, hear me, julie? I second that 100 <laughs> does you want to come up and say something before parker has to leave I invited Julie and Lagarto to speak, and they didn't. So maybe they have some some other. I don't know. I know I get on spaces all the time when I'm like eating, and I'm like, no, I'm crunching over here on chips. I know, same. Or I'll have my headphones in and be in another room, and it's like I don't even know where my phone is. <laughs> <laughs> the struggle is so real. Oh, Parker, <laughs> do you know when Getty Mutu, the artist? They're a collage. No. no. You should look up Wingechi Mutu. How do you spell that? Uh, w I N G E C C I M U T U. Okay. Oh, yes. Yeah. That person. Yep. <laughs> I feel like you might connect with their work. Okay. Wait. Send me a link later because I'm not finding. Oh, wait. Yes. 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 Oh, beautiful. Oh, yeah. This is stunning. Whoa. Have you thought of creating, like, working in larger spaces to create, like, almost more scale to your work? Wait, what do you mean? Like, designing sets or? Like, uh, not even, like, like just giving more height even to your spacing. Mm. Um, in studio or? Uh, yeah, in your in-studio pieces. I feel like you work in such, like, grandiose scale. Like, I want to see it even larger. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I need to get a bigger studio. <laughs> I am I, I working like on it. People on top of ladders and like using just like, you know how La Chapelle does those big uh, sort of verticalized from the floor wide angles. Yes, yeah, <clears throat> I, I love could, that. I can almost see like how you do the flat frame, but creating that kind of perspective scale with like not it being a perspective thing. Like, do you get what I'm saying? I do, yeah. No, that's interesting. Gotta kind of some... Tim Walkery, but not yep. necessarily like that overly wide. I love that. I mean, Tim Walker's work is beautiful, and La Chapelle is like my art school hero. Oh. So there's a lot, obviously, a lot of that inspo in, in what I do. Have you seen Rise? Yes. Yeah, I saw it when it first came out. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Uh, I I still haven't met David. I like know so many people who have worked with him, and it's just like one of these days I will meet my idol. But I think he's like living life in Hawaii with beautiful young boys. That's what I've heard. So <laughs> let him live. I literally met him briefly once uh, with Ellen von Unworth, and it oh. was like the craziest, weirdest night ever. 
That sounds so fun. What a party. They both seem like they can party. Oh my God. Ellen is the best. My partner styled a couple shoots and I got to assist. And then I met her originally when I was working with our partner because she was just leaving the agency. So I was going over to her new studio, like dropping off her stuff all the time. And I was like, hey girl. But oh, she's like completely fun. face blind, which is hilarious because she's like, I don't know who anyone is, but I'll remember a night. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. I only remember faces. <laughs> Like, I don't remember anything else. What day is it? Who knows? Who cares? <laughs> well, it's funny. well, okay, you guys, I got to run. Um, I'm going to yeah. tell you about my double life real quick. So when I'm not doing photography, I'm working on lasers. Because I run a laser. Yeah, I run a laser company with my husband. He's like a genius laserist. Uh, he does, uh, you know, like laser programming for concerts, music videos, that's what have you cool. wow. yeah oh my god that's amazing it's super cool <laughs> like i'm it's the best day job i could have it's also really challenging because right now we're in utah and we're doing a laser show on an entire freaking mountain and oh, we can only shit, that's fucking amazing <laughs> yeah we can if only like anything hit up stacy she's from utah proper oh yeah yeah, and yeah. She, she's, like, done a ton of projects there, so if you might need, like, a contact for anything, she might be a good person to reach out to. That's cool. Yeah, I gotta head out to the site right now, because we're only able to work at night, so I've been on vampire schedule, like, 7pm to 7am for the last three nights. That's cool. We have, a, so weird. we have a place here called Red Rocks in Colorado that always puts on laser shows. So let me know when you're at Red Rocks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't personally been, but Adam, my husband, yeah, he's done a bunch of shows there. So one of these days I'll, I'll have to go with. Yeah, yeah. And then you can cool. go into the infamous basement studio, which this show is named <laughs> for. Right. Not Hell scary no. sounding at all. <laughs> Not <laughs> scary Come sounding. down to the basement. <laughs> all right, you beautiful people. This was so nice talking to you lifted my spirits no yeah, thank, thank you, you for thank you. being on our first show because at the beginning i was nervous as hell and i sounded really bad at the very beginning so thank no, you no 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 we all had clammy hands but it was fine yeah i was definitely clammed up but matthew where do you live do you get to go to parker's party in la i'm about mm. to I wish. No, I am currently hiding out in Palm Beach, but I'm finally going back to New York on Monday. So, but I'm going to be in LA before and then probably for three weeks after San Diego Con. So nice. Hit me up. Yeah, definitely. I'm going to need people because <laughs> I'm yeah. going to be going crazy. My partner's like, yeah, so I, they my, uh, like one of the people he works with is like oh yeah i need someone to house sit and i have this little dog and i'm like oh so we're gonna be stuck dog sitting oh no <laughs> not good thank you so guys thank you, dog. thank you so much i'll sh i'll shut up so be cake and say goodbye okay, okay. gotta go to the lasers <laughs> love you guys with bye guys bye. Take care. good night bye. good night good night I can play my little song now to say goodbye to everybody. <laughs> Fuck no, I'm out of here. All right, fine. Dude, Love you. Hey. What? You did good. Great fucking job. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, it wasn't as fun or funny as when it's just me and you, but it's because we're like super comfortable.
with each other. This yeah, point. no, you killed it. But you're recording this part, so I don't want to. I know, so we can't, you we can't gush on each other. You yeah. okay? See you later, professional co-host. Goodbye. <laughs> uh, have a good day. Bye-bye. Bye bye. <laughs> bye.